Welcome to a financial planning podcast with the down-to-earth vibe Sasquatch listens while trimming the tree. This is Through the Pines. On this episode, we explore what wealth means to you. So this is a beliefs episode, uh, beliefs about wealth, money and personal relationships, wealth and a sense of identity, wealth and personal accomplishments. What is the right level of wealth, would you say? And how does money help you in your life? We'll cover these subjects and more on this episode of Through the Pines. Our advisors for this episode is planwithbaxter.com. You may know them as the Forbes Best In-State Wealth Management Teams for Utah, the advisor hub, fastest growing advisors to watch under $1 billion, and the receivers of the Ameriprise Client Experience Award, which means they know what they're doing. Rex Baxter and Brandon Smith, welcome to Through the Pines. Thanks so much for being on the show. Let's dive right in to this podcast, which is based about wealth and beliefs, which I find is interesting because a lot of people have negative connotations about wealthy people and billionaires and, and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like, well, maybe there's a reason and maybe you need to self-identify why you have those negative connotations and maybe explore that a little bit because I think if you were swapping places with that wealthy person, you wouldn't mind too much. So number one, what does what does wealth mean to you? Not to put you on the spot, Brandon, but uh, let's put you on the spot right now. What does wealth mean to you? For me, wealth is a measure of assets that you have that are there to serve you and your interests. That's a snooze fest. Come that on. is not. That's the best answer. So, what? for example, okay. let me, Hang on, let me I got to think through this for a Yeah. Minute. Let me give you a good example, right? Okay. So, net worth, right, is probably one of the best calculations of 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 wealth. And how do we yes. calculate net worth? We take all not of your the house assets. apparently. It's part of it. Yeah. So, right. so your assets, your home, your vehicles, your bank accounts, your investment accounts, then we subtract off the liabilities. Right. Mm -hmm. And then whatever is left over, that's your net worth. Probably the easiest way to think about that is if you decided to just kind of cash out of life and say, all right, I'm going to sell everything I have, pay off all my debts. What does that check look like? Mm. And that is probably the best thing to track for yourself financially. Right. So if you want to see how you're progressing financially, net worth is there. Right. And, and for me, wealth is wealth is that number. Right. It's that net worth. And then you look at your net worth and you say, all right are all of my assets working for me right now? Someone might say, well, your home's not working for you. You're just making a payment. Sure. But it's providing myself and my family a place to live. It's providing that life that, and, and I get, those are my dividends, right? And so every bit of your wealth should be working for you to, to help you. And like I said, your interest, right? Which might be charitable things. It might, I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do, but wealth is your ability to do those things. Okay. Rex. So I I don't know that every asset should be working for you because my car, right? I mean, it's a depreciating asset. It's working for you. I mean. It's giving you rides to and from. Well, sometimes I own a Jeep, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, I'm just kidding. I love Jeeps. <laughs> so I, I, I'm i just curious. I, I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot, but. Yes, I mean, you are. I, well, <laughs> but I, I'm not. I want to know what your number is, but I don't want you to say what your number is. <laughs> and so, um, as far as what is wealth, right? Well, and yeah, because it changes. You, because though. it's it's going to be totally different for you than what it is for Brandon than what it is for me. Right. And and you know, my parents have a very different idea of wealthy. But that's a different question than what does wealth mean to you? What does wealth mean to you? Well, to to me, wealth means not only financial freedom, right? The ability to do what I want, when I want, how I want, where okay. I want. There we go. Um, but it also means above that, that I don't have financial freedom worries, that I'm not worried about running out of that financial freedom mm. in the future. Okay. And so to, to me, that's, that's wealth. And okay. So does that answer, Rex, how do you know when you have enough money? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, no, I, I don't know. That's a great question because the problem with I'm you, glad you said that's a great question. That's why we're here that today. That is so. a great question. <laughs> we should take a picture of this yeah. post. That is a great question. So, um, the the problem is is that your your bias and your perception changes over time. Sure. And so, what may be enough money today, and in my mind, be is enough money today. Five years and now from now, it probably won't be because now I'm accustomed. To that lifestyle, and there's always somebody with more. There's always going to be somebody with more money, more freedom, more assets, a bigger plane, a bigger boat, a bigger house, more vacations, 
you know, whatever the case may be. And so, and so I believe that as you get more comfortable with your current status in life, that it's very, very common and very normal for then all of a sudden your perception of what wealth is to migrate and to grow over time. And so when you say, how much is enough? Well, how much is enough for today is probably a very different number than how much is going to be enough 10 years from now. Okay, but Rex, are you falling into this sort of um, Western philosophical um, idea of wealth that uh, it is all the things over and above uh, food and a place to rest your head at night and maybe giving a little bit to your neighbors? I, I think it's different for everybody. I think that there's some people that, well, and I don't know why you're picking on the West, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, but. Good point. I just figured like maybe because we um, we are more affluent. And so we just, we, we lean towards the, like wealthy is like never ending. Like you said, like in five years from now, it'll change because now there's more things I want. But really when it comes down to it, when the question is, how do you know when you have enough money? Well, do I have a place to sleep at night? Do I have safety and security? Do I have, you know, am I surrounded by family? Do I have worries or whatever? And so I, I think that's a base level of wealth, right? Is if you've got your basics covered mm-hmm. and so you own your home, you've got a, a place to at night to rest your head and, and the bank's not going to take it away if we run into an economic downturn or something like that. Um, you've got enough to put food on the table. You've got so shelter, food, clothing, you know, transportation. Then then I feel like, OK, well, there's a base number. Right. The reality is most people don't view that as wealthy, right? No, right. Most people, okay, fair. That that's a base level of. I needs. just want to make sure that we understand that that is important as well as 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 trying to one up my neighbor with the nicest yacht in the world or whatever. So, so so the question is, what what is enough? What is enough? How do and you know? This is how just do you the know? Because yeah. Rex and I have just, lo- you know, we'll get down to the point. Where like, <laughs> what is enough? You know, we'll really we'll dig into it. And we've got kind of different opinions on it. Um. But Rex nailed it earlier where he said, you know, once you attain this status, like, like, like a lot of people look at enough as income, right? Once my income hits this threshold, then I'll have more than enough to spend on all the things. And that's true of your status today. But then as you start to associate with other people, I'm like, Phew, but how would a helicopter be, right? Or, oh, sure. man, that, that they have so much fun at that cabin. Or, man, the, uh, a yacht, a super yacht? Like, do you even know what the gas for that is? I mean, it's crazy. In fact, all right, side story. I was at a 401k enrollment meeting and I asked someone, I was like, yeah, have you ever had a 401k? He's like, oh yeah, I had a 401k. Cashed that baby out and I lived like a king for two months. We went out, we rented a yacht. We went and he just went on. And I just admired him so much to be able to live like that. Like I would never. I love it. Anyway, um. I love it. It was two months, then gone. <laughs> yeah. right. Back but, to work. Yep. <laughs> Back to work. But but it's it's all relative, right? And so it for is. me, yeah. for me, I I think because you will enough will never be enough unless you decide it's enough. And and I think really taking a, the best thing, in my opinion, that you can do is take a a very comprehensive look and say, all right, this is what I want. What kind of work? What kind of what do I have to put into it to get to attain this? And, and kind of look around that, right? Do I want more? Do I want less? Like how much, what is my op, what do I think would maximize my fun and uh, safety and, and feeling of, of fulfillment in life? And what do I have to do to get that? And there's got to be, and it's different for everyone, but some type of, you know, algorithm that are not, how, but like a parabolic graph. I'm not the word, the words you're, no, you're getting there. Good. A big bell, words. Not a yeah. bell curve, a curve, right? Where that, where that work threshold crosses the enjoyment threshold right. and, and you can find that point. And, and for me, that's you target that and then keep that in mind and don't let yourself cause the, the little green eyed monster can absolutely sneak in and you can look at just the next step up and just want to keep going and going and going and never be satisfied. But if you can pick that out, stick with it, set parameters. I, I think that's ideal. That but. is so hard to do, right? So <laughs> people people that know me, right, people. know that I am not in my forever home right now, right? I'm in a beautiful home, great home, love my home. Um, and and so when, you know, we started looking at, at land so that we would build at some point, and I started looking at, at one and two acre lots. And initially I was like, oh man, this would be great. I would love that. 
you know, and, and anybody that knows my family knows that we love animals and, you know, we could put ducks over here and goats over there and, and I could still have my office over here and, and still work and without all the, you know, yeah, old McDonald noises, right? You're a goat in the background. <laughs> <Bah! Yeah. laughs> so, where are you? So so I started looking and, and next thing I know, I'm I'm like, man, this is kind of small. You know, I need to start and so I started looking at like five acre lots and and, and I went and walked a five acre lot and I'm like, man, that didn't take very long. That's <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that that's so then it's a ten acre. It's like how big is big enough, right? And and who knows? And so it's so it's so hard not to let that what'd you call it little green eyed monster yeah. in <laughs> and and sit there and change the goalposts and yet i think I think it's so important to try and set those goalposts, but it's so much easier said than done and and I think to your other point, I don't think income or making good money equals wealth, right, and so I think that that's a common misconception, especially I think the younger somebody is the more common that misconception is that, oh man, he makes a hundred thousand dollars. He's so wealthy or, oh man, he makes half a million dollars. He's so wealthy. And, and really the income has very, very little to do with wealthy, right? At the end of the day, it's what you keep. It's, it's your balance sheet. It's your net worth mm -hmm. is, is what provides that financial freedom um, for you down the road. And, and again, making sure your assets are working for you and, and being as efficient with them as you can. So I want to give a shout out to the uh, article that I found some of these questions on from newretirement.com, newretirement.com. And then I cherry picked some of these questions. So there's a lot more of these questions. And, right. and the idea of this podcast is for you to write down some of these questions or go to newretirement.com and find the article. Thought, thought, it says 87. We're not going through 87. Whoa. 87 thought provoking <laughs> questions about wealth and money. And this is, I, I just want people to do this so they get to know themselves a little more. All right. Are you ready, Rex? I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you with, let's see how honest you're ready to 87. be. I don't know. This is a, no, this, this is, is question of, three of, of <laughs> this is question a lot three. of pressure. Um, okay. On beliefs this is the last one of the beliefs section. Rex, are you wealthy and do you want to be? Um, do I want to be? Yes, <laughs> I do want to be. Um, I do have goals that, that would require me to be fairly wealthy, um, in my mind. Um, am I wealthy today? No, I don't view myself as wealthy today. And so um, that's, that's what I would view. But that's where it's all relative. It's all relative. And I think everybody's... So this is going to be an interesting podcast because... <laughs> we Rex just figured us out. Like, uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm in trouble. I think I could be in trouble on this podcast. So I, it's, it's interesting because everybody has different biases, different backgrounds. I think I'm really going to like this podcast. And so I'm, I'm curious because I love the psychology of it all. I sure. love learning, you know, what's driving somebody to get to a certain point. Why are they making the decisions they're making from a financial standpoint? Yes. You know, how much is enough and, and it's going to be different for everybody. And so I, I'm actually going to love this. Okay. Story. Brandon, let's hear your answer. Yeah. Real quick. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> are you, are you wealthy, Brandon? And do you want to be? Do I want to be? Absolutely. Am I wealthy for my age? I feel like I'm on top of the world. Oh, I really, I love my personal financial plan. Like, like I always like bring my wife to my office, like, just look at this. Like, this is so cool. And look at this. And we've converted this and we've moved this. And this is all. Rotten, he really you know? does. He breaks out the charts for, for his wife. Yeah, I do. And, it's and, like, and she's like, I've got I... this colored blue <laughs> and it's going in an upward line and ignore that little red down there. But this is good. So <laughs> I love good. it. And, and so for my age, absolutely. I feel like awesome. Um, but relative to, you know, someone in like, if I had my net worth in my fifties, I don't know. Right. I don't know that I like, it'd be all right, but I don't know that it'd be like amazing. There's just such a difference between thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. And so I, th I think, you know, attaining that goal, you know, and, yeah. and saying, Hey, where am I relative to where I want to be? Yeah. Uh, I am not wealthy and yes, I do want to be. Um, <laughs> and what, what does, what does wealth mean to me? Yeah. I don't know. So, so that's financial freedom. That's good. I want to hear that because some people view wealth as I've got a healthy family yeah. around me. Right. right? And, and, the, and that's true. That's not a wrong answer. It's not like there's a wrong answer with what is wealthy to you. Well, you know, my, my grandma or met my grandma and, and uh, you know, she considered herself wealthy because her family was, was happy and healthy and around her, you know, and she would, she'd spend all of her money at the thrift store. Yeah. And so- <laughs> The house, you know, never changed the carpets, you know, never, 
upgraded in really anything. And so, but con well, she considered that her life wealthy uh, based on her religious beliefs. And that was the foundation for, you know, she had everything she needed. She had food, a house, uh, her belief in God, and that was it. Um, for me, what does wealth mean to me? That's where I lean more towards uh, a number, probably like a monetary situation that, um, you know, I, I'm financially free. There's enough in the bank that I don't have to work. Whatever money I make is all extra. And then I could buy the things I want. However, the things I want aren't um, rockets to space, Elon, um, <laughs> or, or like the giant uh, yacht that um, Amazon Bezos owns or whatever. Uh, I would like a sweet yacht, but I'm looking at like, you know, the midsize are still like 2 million or something. You know what I mean? Like the, the littler ones are still a chunk of change, but I'm like Tom Brady wealthy. Like that would be pretty, that's a lot of money, but he's multimillionaire. But I think anywhere, if you're uh, um, above, I think if you're above 10 million in, in, in assets, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's a lot I, of I assets. threw out a number. That's you did throw out a number. Yeah. That's that's impressive. That's a lot. It's <laughs> funny because I was I was on LinkedIn this morning and and one of my good friends owns a, a business in Bountiful called E V Auto. He sells uh, electric vehicles, right? And so his post on there was talking about the top ten most expensive electric vehicle autos. And he got down, I think it was to like number six, and it's like two million dollars and this car goes zero to 60 in like one point something <laughs> yeah. seconds right and to where i'm not even sure you can take a breath in that amount of time <laughs> so i mean i don't know i don't i have zero desires for that kind of wealth to be able to just go and and drop a dime on on something like that um but there i don't know what my number is brandon pushes me um a <laughs> fair amount um to to kind of figure out you know, what, what is enough for me? And I, and I have dreams as far as what I want to be able to achieve for myself, for my family, for my kids. And, but it's hard to put a number on what that dream is. I've heard, and I wouldn't know cause I haven't made that much, but I've heard, and this actually was almost 10 years ago. So I'm sure the number is higher now, but it was like, once you make $250,000 a year, everything above that is extra like it's almost hard to spend that much per year thoughts no i think people find ways to spend as much as they <laughs> sure, sure okay so okay. I, I don't think they have a hard time with it at all okay. okay so i but there seems for me and i agree with rex right i the worst financial plan i've ever seen was some guy making like six hundred thousand dollars a year with nothing in savings right like like that's that's they're in trouble um but but for me from what i've seen over and over if people are like halfway being responsible and they're making 180 you know, that seems like above that, they, they can kind of like be irresponsible and spend and then save a little bit and it, and it works out. That's just a number I've over the years now with all this inflation, it might be a little bit yeah. higher now. It might be more like two, 220. But, uh, but I've seen plenty of people making well over 220 and, and no not, wealth, not and doing well. Zero right. wealth. Cause, right. Cause they've spent it all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to wealth and relationships. Brandon, <clears throat> I don't know how honest we can be on these, to be honest. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> to be honest. To be honest. Do you judge others or feel judged by others about their financial decisions? Yes. Okay, Rex? I feel judged. You feel judged? <laughs> so now, to be um, fair, you guys are in the industry. And so you see, this is very private information that you deal with on a daily basis. You see the numbers. Um and judging is a harsh word, but you're probably thinking in your head, these guys are in a great spot or, oh man, they are not where they need to be. You know, now I don't want to call that judging. I would call that analyzing their situation. So that I would leave out. I would say like, if somebody that you know, can't afford it, makes bad purchases and stuff. Like do you in your head think that was a dumb idea? Yeah. On occasions I see myself doing that. And I think yeah. that's human nature to sit there and, and look at it, especially because we're in the business, right? And so I know how much things cost. I know what it takes to to maintain certain lifestyles and, and things like that. And so when I sit there and I see somebody that, that comes home with a brand new car at, at you know, that they, that I know that they can't afford, um, just based upon their lifestyle, based upon, you know, their, their, you know, their, their other life choices, then, then it's hard not to sit there and say, Oh, that's, that's a tough, financial decision right there. That's yeah. going to hurt someday. Right. Um, and so I think that there is, and I think that's natural. I, I think 
in those situations, I think there's a little bit, it's typically very, very quick and, and, you know, flips through the mind in and out. I think as I'm looking at, at clients' financial situations, I think you're right. It comes from a very analytical standpoint. And, and I don't think we do the judging that way. I think, I think it, it turns into more of a coaching mm-hmm. kind of conversation of, okay, you know, where we're at today, it's not right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just where we're at today, right? And so today's the first day of the rest of your life, as they say. And so from today forward, you know, these are things that I think we need to try and, and work on. And, and I, I love that. There, I love that. And the reason I love that is because people are probably scared to reach out to financial advisors because they feel like they might be judged. But if you know that they are on your side, they are on your team, and they're going to start with where you are in the moment, and they're going to coach you on how to improve from where you are, like, that's all they want to do. They're not going to try and make... You can't, you guys are going to make money if they go lose money. Like, like, the, like your idea is to put them in a better financial position. Well, and I, and I, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what people want is they want a, a friend, a coach, someone to mentor, somebody to kind of help them through some of those difficult decisions. Most people are self-aware enough to know whether they're making a good decision or a bad decision. And, and we're all amazing justifiers, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can all justify about anything that we want. And so I think having having an accountability partner, having that coach, having that mentor is is significant. And and with clients, clients, I think we work with a really high, and like people who come and and work with a financial advisor, oftentimes are are trying to be really smart about things. And so the the times that I find myself with a client, just like oh come on, like why we do, you know, it's it's pretty rare. Because mm-hmm. um, because yeah, we're on the same page, right? We're talking to them like man, I want to do this with my grandkids. I want to. Like me, you know, like, like you're emotionally involved. You want them to, you want them to be able to buy that extra toy or go and build that, you know, addition, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say judging that way, but, but there are, are sometimes where you just like people just do it. It's habitual, you know, thing after thing and after thing. And, and are we judging that maybe? But, but it, it's more, more of just like, it just kind of hurts because I just know that it's, you know, and, and we try to gently coach and say, Hey, if you know, we can't keep, okay, this is good, but this is what our outlook is now. Right. Mm-hmm. And we need to really try to stick to this. Cause if we don't, this is how this ends. And fortunately those relationships, we don't have very many clients in that situation. Um, but those do happen. And, and it's more of, it's more of an empathy, more of a, like, Oh no, like I just yeah. feel the plans in my soul. Like I really do when I meet with a client and, and they're just struggling and they're just consistently doing the wrong, you know, making that wrong decision, coming back and telling me like, it, it just hurts. Like I just, I feel like I'm there with them and that we're going to run out of money together. On the other hand, I have a lot of clients who are doing really well and I feel that empathy. I'm like, man, I'm on top of the world, you know? And so it's kind of one of the pros and cons of our job. Yeah. I really hope none of our clients feel judged, right? Yeah. Because I, and I think we really work hard to try and make sure that that they know that even though sometimes we have to have difficult discussions because that's that's the only way you can really address some of those habits and some of those you know trajectories that they're on that it is coming from a place of caring a place of positivity you know a, a place of wanting the best for them um and and so I, and I think that most of our clients feel that way or mm-hmm. else they wouldn't stick with us yeah. right and so I think where I see us doing the most coaching and the most work is typically with the children of our clients. Um, you know, it's typically that second generation and, or the third or whatever the case may be to, to try and work with them because they're the ones that typically have enjoyed the spoils of the parent of the vacations or the vehicles or the, you know, they, they've kind of piggybacked on some of the parental wealth a little bit. And so they've, they're used to that lifestyle, and yet their personal habits haven't been formed and put in place to get them to where they want to be, which is where their parents are or above. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where we end up spending a lot, of, a lot of that time working through kind of the psychology of it all. Okay, next up. Um, this is, okay, so you guys have a small, smaller office. Like you're not in a giant, like you have a big, it's a big company, but a small office, right? So do you talk about money or salary with coworkers? I don't. Um, although most of the time, our, our stuff is pretty transparent, right? As far as in yeah. our industry, um, you know, every, every week, 
our revenue is blasted amongst our, you know, across our state, oh. across our region, yeah. right? It's a competitive business. It's a competitive industry. It's all public knowledge or, and or so, just within the industry? Just within the, the company. Within our company. Oh, all okay. the, all the, company. the other advisors, yeah. You know, and so it's because like real estate agents do this, something similar. Like we know where some, how many houses someone you can look online and see how many, how much. Well, and that, closed, that's right? even yeah. public, right? Right. As right. far as that goes, and 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 we have won some awards recently, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Forbes Best in State, Fastest Growing Advisors by Advisor Hub, and so some of our revenue numbers and things like that have been published through mm -hmm. through those things, and so some of our numbers are public information out there in the public domain at this point. Okay, um, Brandon, do you think personal relationships would change? Now that they know, because they've listened to the podcast, that you're happy where your money is. So do you think that personal relationships would change if they know how much money you had or didn't have? Wow, that's a good question. I think, yes, I, I think they do. In fact, I've seen, you know, with friends, you know, who have been more vocal about it, like, you know, um, you know, family members coming to them, wanting them to cut them a good deal or, or give them a loan or, you know, like different things, like. And and I think it depends on your surroundings, but I do think that, yeah, sometimes it's, I think because we don't talk about it culturally very much, that then it becomes maybe a little bit different when people, you know, and so I think that's why people are somewhat private about it. And this is where people get into trouble where they can try to uphold a lifestyle that maybe they had at one time and they no longer have, and then they want to keep hold. And so the, the second part of that question is how much money you have or don't have would those personal relationships change and some people believe that they would change if they knew that i'm broke yeah i think i think it's human nature to to change that those relationships change if i think that it's it's important to have money discussions with your family with your kids um and to kind of set the standard of of how hard you had to work to get there but I think it's I think it's human nature that if somebody sees somebody successful and they have a conversation with them, they're like, My gosh, I'm I'm as smart as he is, you know, and yet he's here and I'm here and how'd he get there? Well, there's gotta be a story behind it. He had to you know, had a rich uncle or he had to have something handed to him and, and they start to be little and Heaven forbid he to say decided to save a little bit of uh -huh. each paycheck. Right. Or work extra hard or whatever right. the case may be, right? But that the the problem with that, the problem with that belief is if I believe that about somebody else, then all of a sudden my own self-image just drops mm. because that's something that I could have done. Yeah, for sure. Right? right. On my own. And for some reason I made different choices and therefore I'm not where I'm at. And so something has to be wrong with him. It's not me. Well, that's right? someone who's insecure and not owning their own decisions. Well, and I think that's, I think that's a, a big percentage. Cause I will happily admit I screwed up, you know, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is not the confessional. Brandon. Oh, okay. Okay, good, good. okay. So then, um, Rex, uh, I think I'm, this is a good one for you. How, or has money impacted or been inspired by your parents? So my, I love my parents. My parents grew up um, I'm very, glad you prefaced that. <laughs> well, I, I do. Um, they're, they're my heroes. So they, they grew up um, in, in a very, you know, humble upbringing, right? My, I, I've talked about this before on the show. Uh, both my parents were, were school counselors. Um, my dad, for a long time, you know, he, he ended up working three jobs when I was young, uh, when I was in grade school. You know, we would hunt and fish and, and eat what we kill. And, and that was, you know, we would garden, we'd have potatoes. And, and because we needed that to, to feed our family, um, we had to, to have that in order to, to take care of ourselves. Um, and so we did not grow up on a lot of money, right? My, my, my mom would make our clothes um, growing up and, and that was fine. That was the norm. That's what I grew up with. Is that what drove you into studying finance? So I think what, what drove me into finance was, was kind of twofold. I think it was partly that, that, that I, I wanted to have the opportunity to not have an income cap. I wanted to be able to, to grow my income um, based upon how hard I worked because I knew I had a really, really strong work ethic. That is admirable to know that um, going into college. Like if you know that before going into college, that's huge. Yeah. So, and, and that is a little bit unique, yeah. right? And so I knew that in high school, 
um, that I wanted to be in something to do in finance. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a couple different avenues that I had an option for. And, and this is the one that I, that I chose. And, and one of the main reasons I chose this industry is, is the other core value I have is I, I didn't ever want to miss one of my kids' activities. Mm-hmm. If, if my kid was in a soccer game, I wanted to be on the front row cheering for him. If my daughter's was at a dance, I wanted to be there cheering for him. And so I needed something that had the flexibility for me to break away and, and work hard when I'm working, but play hard with family when I'm playing. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the other thing that was really, really important to me because not that, I mean, my dad was, you know, he coached a bunch of things. He was there, even though he worked three jobs and, and he was at a lot of things, but my mom was at everything. Mm-hmm. She was at every wrestling match. She was at every you know, baseball game. She was at, I mean, she did not miss a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I loved that. And, and so I, I wanted to make sure that I could kind of be that parent to my kids. Brandon. Same question. Same question. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, what got me in, into finance is I actually started an internship, right. When I started college and, and, uh, it, it was, it was at Northwestern Mutual and they, they did a lot more of like the insurance product stuff. And, and so I kind of like started with that and realized, man, that's not exactly what I wanted to do more the investments, financial planning, you know, rather than the insurance side of things. But I loved, absolutely loved helping people understand money. Like it was just such a cool thing because so many people didn't, don't understand it. it. Sounds like a different language. And to be able to explain things and explain strategy, I just absolutely loved it. And, and it's funny. I, I, this is a dumb thought, but but I, based on what everyone was telling me there was, hey, you've got to sell a bunch of insurance if you ever want to make money. Yeah, and I'm like, ah, I bet I can. I don't care, right? I'm just gonna do it this other way. I don't care if I don't make a lot of like this is this is gonna you know be awesome. It, anyway, turns you can make a good living as long as you're with the you know right company. Um, but I just loved it, right? And and so that was that's kind of what what drove me and and why, truly, why I'm here. Okay. But were you inspired by your parents' money? Oh, inspired yeah. parents. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I loved, I, I, in fact, I was just thinking today, I was driving, just thought, man, my parents gave me just an amazing childhood, an amazing, like, you know, mentor system, not only them, but the neighbors and everything. And, and I don't know how that, how that played into my career decisions or, 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 how I, I don't know. I do remember like looking at, at some of like, you know, the, the, you know, my leaders as I grew up and people that I knew and, and I knew they had money and I knew they were successful and, and, and thinking, and I remember just seeing the way they thought about money and the way they talked, always just being so interested in that. And, and it really did. It just fascinated me. It didn't make sense in my head, but I was just really intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that came around at all or what, but yeah, okay. that's probably a bad answer. I don't okay. Know. Um, well, that's all right. We'll, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah. um, Brandon, have you ever made a purchase to impress a friend? Not a big purchase. And I love standing by that. I don't think I've ever made like a big purchase yeah. to make someone else think I was something I wasn't. Small purchases? There's got to be any. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I guarantee you I've been peer pressured more times than I like to count into like, buying something at a restaurant you, you know what i mean like 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 i was like ah, i i'd rather not eat anything right now, or i'd i'll take an appetizer you know but you have yeah. to buy a meal to be you know but okay. but nothing big and my wife and i love that like our like we have this old camper from the 1970s that we love to death but we'll pull it you know usually we're primitive camping up in the middle of nowhere but if we pull that thing into like a campground like it looks so out of place yeah um but we love it you know it, it meets our family's needs perfectly it didn't cost hardly anything um and and so yeah no we kind of pride ourselves in in not trying to be showy rex you ever bought anything to impress a friend I don't know, Brandon. Have I ever bought <laughs> Have you ever been impressed, Brandon? <laughs> I, was, I was impressed by his first Jeep. It was teal. It was teal. Yeah. Um, and so actually, I, think I don't that, think that he bought second, it to impress me. Jeep. Was it your second one? Yeah, okay. my first one was white. My first one okay. was white. What happened to that one? It had a, a hole in the um, 
in the manifold, and so it was yeah. losing. But anyhow, sold it and bought the till one. Okay, love the till Jeep. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't buy the Jeeps to impress anybody. I loved Jeeps and yeah. still do, and still drive them when they run. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's kind of a love hate relationship, I think. <laughs> so I, I don't, I can't think of a time that I've bought anything to impress somebody. Um, I think. I think in my younger years, I was very subject to peer pressure. I will say, I will say that I'm pretty sure because he came out and said it publicly that Travis Travis Kelsey just bought a house to impress Tay Tay. So there is that. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Okay. Well. So people do people do it. So is it good or bad? You know what I mean? Well, I absolutely see that people do it. Yeah. For sure, I see. I see people doing it to where they feel like they've got to keep up with the Jones. But I'm not and, even sure it's a bad thing. Um, like that's that. what I'm saying on some of these purchases. I'll argue it's bad. And, and I get, but I think it ultimately depends on what, where your mindset, why do you have wealth? For me personally, one of my most core values is to have fun. Like I love to play like, like just having fun. And so like, for me, everything should be built around that in a lot of ways, right? Is, is having fun, building memories, helping other people have fun, right? Like that, I love that, that. But it's hard to I, have I fun think that's on... a bias though. I think Brandon, it is. Because I think, I think right. that, I think there's some people that have enough wealth to where that is their fun, right? Is, oh, I... Is looking cool? No, is, well, part of it, right? Part of it. So I, I can tell you that I've been out golfing with people on occasions, right? And, and there happens to be these two friends, and one will have the latest, you know, tailor-mades, right. and literally the day the new ones come out, the other guy gets them so he can impress that guy and say, oh, I've got the new one. <laughs> right. right. And so they just zigzag, and that's right. their fun. But right. they've got the money to do it, Right. And so is that a bad thing? I don't think that's a bad thing, right? That's their that's their enjoyment right. factor and they've got the wealth to do it. So. As long as you as long as you get the enjoyment out of it. Because man, if you can't afford it and you're doing that to impress someone else and at the end of the day you didn't get your maximum enjoyment out of it, I think that's maybe the key, right? Is are you really really deep down at the end of the day loving what you did with your money? Well, and I think the enjoyment fizzles quickly if you can't afford it. Right, because right. Then oh, reality yeah. sits in, yeah, and and all of a sudden you've bought this. And now you're saddled down with all the, all the repercussions <laughs> of it. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I do think I was subject to peer pressure as a young kid, though. And yeah. So I, I remember one of the first cars I bought. I went with a friend of ours, and and it was I think it was a VW Jetta. And I was like, oh, it's foreign. It's sleek. Oh, it's foreign. You know, so yeah. this, this band drives it in their concert. And, yeah. And I'm like, this is the car for me. And I got it off the lot, got it home. My dad's like, all right, turn around. You're taking that back right now. I'm like, dad, they won't take it back. I just bought it. And he's like, oh, no, they're taking it back. And <laughs> literally went right back that same day, had to return it. Wow. And, wow. and ended up coming home with a little... I remember if it was a Nissan Pulsar T-top. Do you remember that little oh, red? I, I had one of those. Did yeah, you? Yeah. So did I. Yeah. And so I didn't like it, but I didn't. It was kind of yeah. Anyway, it was kind of gutless, but yeah. Um, but it looked cool. Yeah, and it did so... look. It looked like it was really fast, but it wouldn't go. It was like a Rolls can hardly. We heard that joke. Rolls down one hill, can hardly get up the next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so okay. Moving on to a wealth as a sense of identity. This is a lighthearted, easy, easygoing podcast. Rex, how, does how much money you have affect how you see yourself? No, no. I, okay. I, what about how others see you? I don't feel like, I don't care. Okay. Um, good. Now, so, you don't care right now. This is right now the moment you don't care. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever care. I, okay. I, I think I'm very comfortable with who I am. I'm, I'm not one that's into fancy cars and into fancy things. I'm pretty comfortable with who I am. And, and so I, I see some fancy boots over there. It's I love my boots. <laughs> They're not for you. They're just for me. I, I do like cowboy boots. I've kind of, I've kind of, I'm kind of a country kid at heart. Yeah. So, you know, this is good. But. I'll vouch for Rex. That's one of the things my wife and I love about the Baxter family is yeah. they are not doing it to show, you know, they're just having fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Brandon, same question. Um, I lost the question. Do I get but, a sense of identity? Yeah. From, sorry. That's from, what, yeah. What? Yeah. How, does how much money you have affect how you see yourself? Uh, I I, have, I struggle with it because if I if I if my bank account's getting low, I see myself as a loser essentially, and so that affects me big time. How others see me? No, not really. I I don't really I don't really care as right. far as that goes. Me, it's more of like I know I I should be better or something, you know. So right. that that part of it affects me. Yeah, I th I think it does me right, and I guess it's just me. Nobody can see my 
net worth number. Nobody can see my banking, right? Whatever. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't like these questions. <laughs> okay. We, we found the one that went too personal for Brent. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, well, we can move on to, because these are all sort of the same, um, but wealth and personal accomplishments. So Rex, what do you attribute your personal success to? Circumstance, luck, choices, or talent? Um, I would say choices would be mine. Yeah, um, I definitely not talent. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> why, why wasn't beauty an option? Why, why didn't looks? Why didn't I get looks. looks as an option? I'm sorry about that. I was, I'm just going with the article didn't include it. So I, I would say choices as I feel like I've, I've made very conscious choices with my career, with my schooling choices, um, things like that to put me in the position that I'm in today. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that the choices I've made have been greatly influenced by my family, by my parents, by, uh, my brothers, by my sisters. Um, and so I, you know, I, I think that that's influenced my choices, but do I feel like I'm the most talented person out there? No, I'm sure there's somebody more talented than I am. Right. Am, am I talented? Yeah, I think I am talented. Am I smart? I think I'm smart. Am I the smartest out there? No, I don't think I'm the smartest person in the world, but I think I'm smart. It's a big world. It is a big world. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I, I, I feel like I have the other characteristics, but I feel like I have a very good blend of the characteristics. But I think at the end of the day, it came down to the to the conscious choices that I've made. Brandon, circumstance, luck, choices, or talent for your personal success? I think choices, too. I was talking to Jess just the other day, and she was talking about, like, oh, man, we're so so lucky we got, you know, this junior partner position with Rex, right? Like, and, and it, it was a great, I've looked at a lot of people. It took them, like, five years this, to find a junior partner. But that's, so. it, that's it, right? And I yeah. was like, I, I said, yes, we are so, so lucky to have Rex. However... I worked in finance for nine years before I came on with Rex. Like, <laughs> is that lucky or is that unlucky? Right? Like, mm -hmm. like did, did nine years for my big my break? Like, is that really that lucky? So I don't know. Yeah, ten years is an overnight success. No, so. not not even remotely. And so you know, I I think I think most of it choices. But but you know, if you stick with something long enough, you finally get your lucky break. And I, that's where we come to talent, right here. <laughs> <laughs> I make terrible choices, but, uh, but just enough the talent best and, podcast. And luck to get town. by. <laughs> well, you were gonna say something, Rex. I cut you I, off. Well, I was I was just gonna say that I I think that there is always a component of luck yeah. involved. Well, right. They say it comes with hard work. Well, and and I think you have to put yourself in position so that when those opportunities present themselves, right. Yeah. Um, but I also think that that not everybody gets the same opportunities. We had a, we had a good question the other day on a, on our Ogden arts and adventure podcast. And it was what, what's the opportunity that you missed in life? <laughs> and, and, and mine was that, um, don't say her name. Uh, no, well, <laughs> mine was, I, I had, a, went to an audition, uh, and the, the person who I auditioned for, I had to drive to park city for it is, uh, Jason Bateman. So famous actor. And this was well before anybody knew who he was or well before he was famous. And, um, and then I immediately went on a vacation to Alaska and I had a, the cell phones back then. I did not get service in Alaska. So this was a two week vacation. Well, he had called me like the second day I was gone and, and for a callback for whatever I, I had auditioned for. Well, it had been two weeks. I never called him back. I just never called him back because it'd been, I'm like, well, they don't need me now. I didn't even try. I didn't even call him back. Well, that could have been a big deal. It could have not been a big deal, but, but it was the biggest audition that I had had at the time for anything. And, um, and I just didn't even call back. So there's choices, right? And there's luck and there's hard work. And if you like, don't make the choice to do something or you miss an opportunity, you know what I mean? Like you just don't jump on an opportunity. Like Brandon, you said that this is an opportunity we're thankful to have with Rex, but you could have maybe have not seen it either and th thought this wasn't the time or something. So. Yeah. I think, I think missed opportunities, that's an interesting subject, right? Because yeah. <laughs> the things that weigh on me. Uh, a lot are, are some missed opportunities, right? As I think about even today, different people that I've come in contact with over my financial advisory career that for one reason I was never able to work with, mm. right? And, and maybe I didn't, you know, send that final 
email or make that final phone call, or maybe the timing was bad, or maybe who knows, right? And and how could have things changed had that for the better or for the worse? Yeah. But I do believe that, you know, I think things have worked out great. And and I don't second guess those, but it is kind of fun sometimes just to look back and say, Wow, I wonder what what would have happened to you. Right. Yeah. But I, yeah. I certainly don't live in that world and I think it's dangerous to live in that world. Okay. Um, all right. Well, Brandon, did you, did you have some more numbers for this episode? Yeah, you bet. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll do that while I look at hey, our next very deep personal stretch question. Stretch this out. We might only get to like 84 questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure this is. Yeah, these are. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is to make y'all sweat. You know? Oh man. Well, maybe I'll give you this question before. Um, so that when we come back from some more numbers, you, you have an answer. It? Yes. Uh, this is. Oh, well, uh, uh, okay, let's hear some more numbers. I, I can't decide which one to go with. <laughs> so if you talk real estate with anybody, undoubtedly people complain about, well, interest rates, but the biggest one is probably these cash offers, right? Everyone swooping in with cash offers and people are like, it's investors. Yeah. So anyway, Redfin actually came out and, and had some really cool stats on it. Um, they, they reported that 34.1% of home sales across, they did their sample sizes, 40 U.S. metropolitan areas were all cash transactions. So 34.1% were cash transactions. That sounds like a lot to me. About a third. Yeah. That yeah. Just like over a, a third. Yeah. Yeah. But and you have to think, right? Who are these cash offers? Well, these, these are, are these are, people are these conglomerates. Are, no, it's, how much can, are the someone who's paid off their house and they're moving into a retirement home or I not a retirement home, but buying a second, buying a second their home. or not a second home, but buying another home, right? Another home. I know, okay. like my parents, right? They they want to sell their house and move to St. George, right? If they if you pay off your house, then you're going to buy that cash offer, right? So about a third. In fact, I saw just this morning, Rex. You may have seen how many, what percentage of Americans have paid off their house. I think it's at, I want to say it's at 38% have, oh, I have, see that number have paid morning. off. Um, I, I it makes it me wonder, though, one, one out of three does seem high. It makes me wonder how many of those, what percentage of that is foreign, right? That's of where everyone's head goes. Yeah. But I, it is where everybody's head yeah. goes. I know, I, I agree with you. I think the lion's share of that is people that have paid off their house, they sold their house, they're buying their next house with cash, right? I think that that is a big I just hope it's not conglomerates that are buying you know investment groups or whatever right. that are paying cash for these houses and then renting them or something. well and i you look at like a university right that's looking to take on a neighborhood mm. around them and they'll they'll offer cash deals all day long to the neighborhood that they're trying to slowly expand into and so there's i mean there i there's probably a lot of different things that creep into that so let me give you a couple more numbers so that 34.1 percent that's up 4.6 percent from a year ago Wow. So that, that's a, a fairly good jump. But the it's the highest since 2014. I'm not sure that that surprises me on either of those numbers. Just because interest rates are higher, my guess is that, that overall sales are down slightly and cash sales are up slightly. Mm -hmm. So I'm not yeah. sure that that, that, that shocks me. Because the people, the people buying who can actually buy a house, if, you're, if you don't have to go into debt for it, then the interest rates don't affect you. Right. So yeah, yeah I think so. that makes sense. But, but it also points out, I mean, 34%, but we were back here back in February of 2014. It's not like there's these crazy, mysterious, like conglomerates that are coming and just like scooping up all the houses. And the other argument against that, because people say, oh, it's all these in investors, these real estate investors. Well, if that was the case, and they're just irrationally buying up homes, then you would see rent prices drop because they're irrationally buying up single family homes and renting them out. Mm. You could go out and rent a house. But the reality is we're just short housing units. Mm. And and so I think people like to look for something to blame, but I, I don't know that the cash purchases are that crazy. Up a little bit, sure, but no, nothing too crazy. Mm. Okay. Okay, uh, Rex, what role does money play in motivation? Are you motivated by money as opposed to because this has to do with your work, like your career. In other words, um, you might be motivated by money in a short-term gain situation where someone says, you know, if you do this, I'll give you 10 bucks or something. Like that. Okay. <laughs> but, but, but overall, what role does money play in motivation? Um, I, I think in general, I'm, I'm motivated by money. Yes. But I'd say I'm more motivated by, by numbers 
Um, and so I'm more motivated by, by growing, by, you know, the, the rate of increase and by, you know, doing, growing faster than others and, and things like that, I think is more motivating to me. So you're com- you're a competitor. You're competitive. I, I'm, ex- I think so. <laughs> Very much so. Yes. <laughs> well, and this is, I'll I'll give the example of I'm a big NBA fan. It's uh, the first year they've done this in season tournament, and the winner of the in season tournament, it's I don't know, they get a million bucks, five hundred thousand or something. It's this bonus where, to the common person, this is like hell yeah. But a lot of these athletes have so much money that that is like a Thursday for them, right? Like that, like that is not a motivation for them. However, if you've seen the the games in the in season tournament. They are extraordinarily competitive. Like this is hot heat. You know, they're very competitive, and they're good. And are they doing it for the money? I don't think so. I, I don't think they're. Maybe some of them are. Maybe the first year guard off the bench is. But but some of them are just. They just want to win, right? Yeah. I I I do not like to lose. Um, I'm a good. You know, I I I can handle losing. I'm a good loser as far as that goes when that happens in those rare occasions. But <laughs> but, but I, I I don't like to lose. I I am highly competitive. Um, and and so does money motivate me? Not necessarily a dollar, right? right. Uh, the dollar doesn't necessarily motivate me. Getting me to a certain income rate that doesn't necessarily motivate me. And so, I, you know, I I think the competition of the money, the competition of the business is much more motivating to me than, than a dollar. And so I, I'll do very little will I do for a dollar, but if it means that, you know, I can beat you at a race or something and there's a dollar at the end of it, I don't want to lose that dollar. That dollar all of a sudden just became extremely important. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. So Brandon, you in that same boat, what role does money play in motivation? uh, I mean, I think money motivates everybody, but these are the conversations Rex and I have of just like, well, what Rex, when is, when is success? Right. Cause I look at Rex and I'm like, man, you are like one of the top advisors, right. In the region, you're always in the top, you know, I'm, I'm just like, and, and Rex is always talking to me like, all right, if we do this, this, and then we can really keep, cause we've grown. I mean, we have really grown over these past few years and I'm just like, <laughs> like Rex, what if, what if we took like a one year break and, you know, we service our clients, we take care of everybody and then we hit it again, you know, and yeah. I was just like, when, when is enough enough, you know? And, and I don't think it ever will be for Rex, but that's, that's where I've said, like, like, I, I think you need to create, like, like, what is your target? What is, mm. what is what you want? And, and I think Rex is incredibly competitive in that. Right. And he wants to grow. And, and, and even when we were, courting right when i was thinking about coming over and joining him as as a junior partner right like that was one of my big questions i was like rex like what to what end like why are we like he just had this like incessant drive to win to grow to become bigger and you know better and and i was just like well, like why and he's brandon i just I just want to win like i just, wanna, <laughs> just you know? want to win and, and as i've gotten yeah. to know him more right and you can see all those numbers posted of the advisors and where that I'm like, that's totally what it is, right? It, mm. it really is. There's this drive to grow. And for me personally, I I love I love talking about finance with people. I love taking care of people. But I've always, and from the beginning of our relationship with of Rex and I, I was like, but I also want to, you know, be able to go up and go camping. And I want to be able to go do these other like like I like having that that what I call work-life balance, right? Is is really important to me. And so I, I wouldn't say that I'm not motivated by it. But but maybe I'm slightly less competitive. I I think Brandon's much more voted motivated with by relationships. Yeah, sounds like it. And yeah. by um affirmation and positivity, and things like that. Yeah. I think um you know he talks about some of the early early goings on as far as how many hours am I gonna have to work? Am I gonna have work <laughs> life balance and and stuff like that? And and I'm like yeah you, you know I mean when you die you can rest all you want right. <laughs> So, I mean, we we literally know? stopped not talking like friend, but like we stopped the negotiations for months. At one point, I was like, "Sorry, Rex, like this is too much, like too many hours committed." Yeah, it's and I don't know where that. I I definitely have an internal drive to to grow and work and and I like I like to work. I like what I do. I love what I do. I love financial planning. I love investments. I love, you know, working and, and helping and coaching and mentoring and all those things that this career gives to me. And, and that is very, very satisfying and fulfilling to me. But I am, I, I have a fire. I want to grow. I'm yeah. not done growing. 
And yeah. so I want to grow this business. I want to be one of the best, if not the best in the state, um, if not the best in the region, if not known nationally. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to do that is to what, Brandon? Grow. Yeah, grow. <laughs> Friends like, uh, not take time off. Uh, what are you trying to get? Work your guts out. <laughs> uh, okay, so you, I mean, let's just establish. I mean, you're already on the greatest podcast in all the land, so we don't even have to improve. No, that. Seriously, I put it. I I checked that box. Okay, good. Uh, okay, so but you did it. You did it. You're the greatest financial person in the world. In the world, you have all the money in the world. What would you do with? with your time, with your money, with your efforts, if you had all the money in the world? Probably wake up at five and- Go to read. work? Yeah, go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean- I've I, thought about this all the time. I would probably do that. I might I might break off at three and go golfing mm. or something like mm. that. Yeah. Um. You know, I might, you know, be on a vacation with the family and I'd work for the first four or five hours of the day and then join them uh, the rest of the day kind of thing. I could see myself. Are you going to, you're going to be like Charlie Munger and you're going to work till you're 99. I don't, I don't know that I'll do that necessarily. Um, I, I think that, I think I can find the same satisfaction, joy and, and accomplishment and those senses through other things in life. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure that those have necessarily presented themselves to me yet. Yeah, but, like a mean, well, I game or something. Like, like, <laughs> Like we're passionate about changing the trajectory of children's lives, right? right? My wife and I, and so, and, and our family. And, and that, that is very rewarding to me. And if I feel like I need to take a little bit more time or I feel like I can have a major impact by, by taking somebody that's 16, 17 and, and putting them on a path to where, you know, they're going to, they're going to be successful in their own lives, whatever that success means to them. You know, I think I can find, I think I'll find that same joy there. And my guess is I'll put the same fire that's in my belly into that as what I'm putting into financial planning and, and investments. I mean, one of, if you were to ask me, what is one of my greatest accomplishments to date, right? I would say it's Brandon, right? Brandon's is extremely successful. And he's not even your kid. No, but I mean, <laughs> he he's an amazing advisor, right? He will be 10 times the advisor I am if he chooses to be, right? And so he's smart. He works hard. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I have no, even though he went to Utah state, he's smarter than I am. And so I'm not sure how that happened. He did say that he took a class at Weber. So there must've been a little yeah, bit of two uh, classes. Yeah. Two classes. Yeah. So there must be a little bit of Weber in yeah. him that, that, that must be where that drive comes from. By the way, so. I went to the jazz game the other night and they have a stunt team and I'm, and I was teasing. I think I, I, be, I said, I bet they're all from Weber. <laughs> no, so there's some there's some BYU kids because we've got a uh, one of the advisors in our Salt Lake office. His son is on the stunt team. Okay, oh, really? yeah, but most of the girls are from, are Weber. from Weber. Yeah, they're really good. Oh my gosh, they're, they're so really good. good. They're national champs, like six years running. Holy, cow. um, so, I mean they're they're on Team USA. They, um, they're on the world team. They're on the Jazz stunt team. I mean, there's there's a core group of Weber cheerleaders that are just phenomenal. Okay, Brandon, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do with, with your time, with, with the money? Just give it away, walk barefoot on the ocean? <laughs> there would definitely be a sailboat involved. Yeah. But, but I, I do. I just, I, I, I think I get a tremendous amount of fulfillment from this. You know, I'd, I'd definitely hire, you know, an extra assistant or two to help out with some of the paperwork stuff that I don't enjoy. Um, but no, I think, I think finding the fulfillment that comes from helping people understand their retirement and helping them understand like that, that's, that is so core to me. And, and, you know, am I going to be one of these guys who works, you know, into their seventies or eighties? I used to dream of it. I think, I don't know. We'll see, you know, Rex tells me that's a bad idea and it might be, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, man, that, uh, that vision that Rex kind of painted of, you know, working a couple hours in the morning and then being vacation, you know, or, 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 or taking vacations and working weeks. I mean, that just seems like the most ideal dream life. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I, I, I would, I, no, I kind of agree. I mean, cause I put myself in that position. I'm like, okay, if I had all the money in the world, what would my day look like? Uh, which I think is a good exercise, which is why we're going through all of these. And I think I would still podcast because I, I want to hear the stories. I want to, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear the stories. I want to hear what drives people, what motivates people. To me, that's interesting. And like you, Brandon, I would have a staff. 
Yeah. I would come in. <laughs> I'm like, do my hair, uh, you know, <laughs> record the things, whatever. I don't want to do do any of the work work, but um, I do want to do the podcast. I want to talk to people. I want to talk to people, and I want to I want to be motivated by just listening to who they are and what they do. And I think I can do that until uh, oh, who's who's the gentleman who died who's super famous and he had the shoulders and the suspenders, the talk show host, very because um, he ended up Larry King, Larry King, Larry King. You know what I mean? Because what you're like. Yeah, he just shows up and talks to people. He's got a whole team that does all the work for him, and he did it until he died, essentially. And so I'm like, yeah, I'd sure that'd be me, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think it'd be fun also to to kind of like Marcus Lemonis, right? He he goes in and and he had that show on there, The Profit, for for quite a while about where he'd go in and help business owners re yeah. refurbish and things like that, and 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 so there's pieces of that like advising yeah that and and coaching and mm. and again changing that business's path right and that kind of fall in line with with what you know kind of drives me and it's the same thing with investments and financial planning right i mean that's that's part of the joy that we get is again you're at you're where you're at today not right wrong or indifferent just where you're at and and we want to help get you on that right trajectory we want to take you from where you're at today to where you want to be at tomorrow. And we want to try and get you there as efficiently as we can. And and so I think that that these core things that are inside of me, whether it's that, whether it's with kids, whether it's with the business, I think that it's very, very consistent as far as who I am and what we're trying to do. And and that's why I love working and doing what I'm doing as much as I do, is it it just fulfills that that drive inside of me. Very good. Um, thank you, Rex and Brandon, for being on this podcast. Again, the article that we got this from was from newretirement.com, exploring what wealth means to you. This was, oh, actually their title, that's our title. Their title was 87, which we didn't get through all 87. <laughs> Thought-provoking questions about wealth and money. So hopefully you jotted some of those down and we'll ask your friends and wife and husband <laughs> and these questions and see where they come out in the end. If you found value in this podcast, uh, please consider subscribing to our YouTube page through the Pines or our social medias on Facebook Pines Podcast and our Instagram Pines underscore podcast. Also, uh, now that you know who Rex and Brandon is, you should feel very comfortable in contacting them if you have any questions about your uh, financial situation. Planwithbaxter.com gets you to all of the places. This has been Through the Pines reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams. <laughs> <laughs>